in this episode of Collective Reject. Again, thanks for having me on. I will say, like, before, like, you brought me in on this, I had no idea this comic existed. I had no idea Grace Randolph even wrote comics. Yeah. Whether you a hero or a villain, expedition leads to crazy villains. Every page I turn, you know I got a villain. New stories everywhere, busting out the comic strip. Story so good, it got me on a power trip. Crazy battles got my mind in a total race. Page one, the original story takes place. So gear up for the new storyline. Writing so good, it sends chills down your spine. Collect or reject, 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 collect or reject. Greetings, true believers. Welcome to Collect or Reject, a show about comics, or more specifically, lesser known comics. My name is Mark Withers, and I'm honored and privileged to be your host today. Here's how it works. Each week, a guest and I will read five issues of a pre-selected title, and based on those five issues, we'll try to determine whether or not that comic should be added to your pull list. Today's comic, Superbia, by Grace Randolph and Russell Daughter. Joining me today to talk about it is the host of YouTube's Wow Band channel, as well as the co-host of the Petty Cash podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Will Blankmeyer. Will, thanks for being on the show, man. Mark, thanks for having me, man. It's, It's always good to record with you. Yeah, yeah. Like you're one of my favorite people to sort of collaborate with. I know that like, you know, we've sort of made a habit of doing these Marvel uh, reactions on TikTok, but I'm really glad that I was able to get you for this one. This particular comic is done by Grace Randolph, which a lot of people will recognize from behind the trailer. What I'm getting at is that For all intents and purposes, if you love her, you hate her, she's one of us, right? She's a movie pundit, if you will, specifically a comic book movie pundit. And she's part of like that original pack of movie reaction pundits. And so I felt like it was only fitting that you and I talked about her comic book. And so I really want to say thanks in advance for doing this. Again, thanks for having me on. I will say like before, like you brought me in on this, I had no idea this comic existed. I had no idea Grace Randolph even wrote comics. Yeah, I actually bought this comic specifically because it was a Grace Randolph comic. She was on my radar back in 2012. She used to host a show called Thinking About the Ink, which I think later became Stactastic. She did that for Bleeding Cool. And it was Mm. basically a show where she just talked about the up and coming comic book titles that were going to be hot titles that you could go into your local comic book store and ask for. And I thought that was a really cool concept. I liked her as the host of that. So when Superbia came out, I bought the first few issues and then never had time to read them. So in a box, they stayed. And then when I decided to do this show, I thought, well, it might be good to actually dig those out and read those and give those a nice review. So here we go with that. I know we want to dig into this, but before that, for the people at home that don't know you, I kind of wanted to give them a little bit of background. So if you could let us know a little bit about yourself and how you got into comics. How do most people get into comics? They either discover them on the shelf of their local comic book store or their parents or their older siblings introduce them. For me, it was the latter. My dad was the one who introduced me to Spider-Man comics when I was a kid. And that's basically where I fell in love with comic books, mainly the Spider-Man character. But I've since read many more. Like, yes, a lot of like amazing Spider-Man stories, 
I've read a couple X-Men comics. Of course, being the giant kaiju nerd that I am, I've read some of the runs of Godzilla and miscellaneous kaiju comics that have come out within the last 10 years. Yeah, because of my dad, I am now where I am in, in nerd culture. Tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel and also about the Petty Cash podcast. Yeah, so I've been doing Wild Band for about eight years now. I've really dived deep into reaction content. So I've been watching a number of shows, a few movies. I just have fun on my channel. And then over on the Petty Cash podcast, me and my three friends, Joe, Charles, and Vinny, discuss a myriad of topics that we bring to the table and discuss them. Or if there is breaking news in the world of entertainment via comic books, movies, TV, etc., we bring that to the table to discuss it. I believe we are about 12 episodes into our quote-unquote first season, and we're currently only on YouTube at the moment, but I'm working on getting us approved for Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Awesome. So without further ado, let's jump right into the topic at hand, Superbia. Now, I am terrible, as I've said before, at uh, describing these types of comics, really any comic. Anytime somebody is like, oh, that sounds like a cool title. What is it about? I'm like the worst at giving a synopsis. So I usually like to let either the comic intro do it or Wikipedia. So in this case, we're going to choose Wikipedia. It says, Superbia is a Real Housewives interpretation of the superhero genre, which explores the drama of superheroes' personal lives within the context of a suburban lifestyle. I mean, it's pretty much that, right? Like when I think of this comic, I look at it as more like a mix between the boys and Real Housewives or like one of those types of shows like Siesta Key or Jersey Shore or something like that. Th- so that's what honestly a perfect way to describe it. That's what I was thinking re- while reading this. Like this feels like a boys style story. Right. Because there really isn't a whole lot of like, quote unquote, superheroing going on. Right. There's really just these powered individuals who are married to non-powered people. And this is what their home lives are like. The basis of it is that they all kind of live in the same neighborhood that was designed specifically for them, you know, so that they could have normal family uh, lifestyles without people finding out where they lived, finding out their identities and things like that. And so you're really getting sort of the back end of the superhero life and all of the drama that goes with that. Right, which includes family drama, because a lot of these uh, superpowered couples, uh, they have children. Right. Getting into that, like, what was your overall impression of the comic itself? I can say overall, I liked this. I can't say I loved it. I can't say I hated it, but I definitely enjoyed reading it. There were a couple of characters I kind of got a little invested in, and there was a couple of reveals in later issues. I was like, oh, Okay, it's good. I can't say it's great. I can't say it's terrible. So take that for what you will. You and I kind of joked off mic that I kind of worry that if Grace Randolph were to hear this, and she's probably not listening to this, but if she is, um, the worry for me is that like she'll take what I'm about to say like personal and then wage a campaign against me in the way she has against Jessica Chastain, the way she has against John Campia. But I'm nowhere near that important, so I really shouldn't worry about that. The truth of the matter is that this does have a few good nuggets in there, but it's really not a particularly compelling story. Number one, it's very short on action. And two, the drama that exists within it and the character arcs within the comic 
we've kind of seen those things before in other comics. Mm -hmm. And so it's not as interesting as I feel like it could be. Now, granted, these are only four issues that we've read. So there is a second volume of this that's actually like something like 12 or 15 issues. And maybe within that second run, these characters get fleshed out a little more and they're a little more three-dimensional. But in this particular four-issue run, I felt like the characters were really kind of static, almost a little stereotypical in, in parts. But in other parts, there really are some genuinely good uh, aspects to it. For one the son of the superhero Batu. You know, this character is sort of like the archetypal Wonder Woman type of character. She believes that her daughter is going to take over her mantle when she gets older. So she spends all this time training her, completely oblivious to the fact that her son has all this natural ability and has inherited all of her skills and how that makes him feel to not be acknowledged and not be loved by her. There are some other things here and there, but that was probably my favorite. I don't know how you feel about that. Thinking on Eli's like storyline between these four issues, it really goes along like the lines of, oh, she treats him like the redheaded stepchild, which he's not a stepchild. He is her biological son, but he is redheaded. So she kind of like pushes him to the side, like, I'll go hang out with dad. But we see, I believe in issue three or four that he starts exhibiting some of her like natural abilities, like throwing spears at targets, being able to like throw a dart at someone's neck. And she's like, you're an abomination. You shouldn't have these powers. And you can tell that really messes with him. And of course, his dad tries to calm him down after she says that. But I think that's definitely one of the more interesting storylines is seeing, oh, the daughter should be the one who has the powers, but it's the son who's neglected that actually has the powers. So that part of the story, the, the four issue story I've read is one of the more interesting parts. A part that I didn't expect until the end of the fourth issue was Ruth, who is uh, married to Marine Omega isn't ruth she's some sort of alien or like robot in disguise that's been trying to infiltrate the metal legion which is the superhero group name uh for this particular group so seeing that happen like okay something is up with her she either just has powers where she can shapeshift or something else and it happened to be something else that was actually kind of cool i did not see that coming so if that is fleshed out more in like the second volume of 12 issues I wouldn't mind seeing more of that as well as seeing more of Batu and her son and where that goes. Agreed. Another part of it that I really liked is in the fourth issue, how this sort of support team kind of forms out of the spouses of the heroes. I'm interested to see if that continues in the next volume and where that goes. Like thinking more on it, the superhero team and then the support team is very similar to the seven and the boys from the boys storyline. However, with the boys are trying to stop the seven, but here this support team is now here to help the metal legion. So I'll be curious to see how much more that is fleshed out. If it possibly breaks down, if it stays strong, because one of the two always happens with something like that in these kind of stories. Primal warrior Draco Azul is the story of a man who finds a giant robot from ancient Mayan times and uses it to fight giant monsters that are mysteriously appearing all over modern-day Mexico. It's a little bit of Godzilla, Power Rangers, and Pacific Rim, all set against the Mexican backdrop for a unique cultural flair. 
Guys, I've been lucky enough to read the first few issues of this, and so far, I gotta say, I'm loving it. If you're a fan of mecha, kaiju, tokusatsu, or just really cool action comics in general, this is gonna be right up your alley. You can find Primal Warrior Draco Azul on Amazon Kindle and Comixology. Get yours today. Now, I thought we'd take a second to talk about the dollar value of these books. Now, at the time of its initial publishing in 2012, the average cost of each one of these single issues was about $3.99. Now, today, the average cost, according to sites like GoCollect or eBay or some other trading sites, a first printing of each one of these issues averages out to about $5. So that's roughly about 30% increase, maybe a little more with some of the variants being a little, you know, a little higher in value, but not very much. Now, knowing this, does this sway your verdict one way or the other, whether or not this is a collectible? I don't know. I mean, I feel like with Race Randolph's name attached to it, I think that might entice people like it might like pique their curiosity. Okay. Let's see what she did with a comic. So, I mean, I feel like I don't know if saying the three to five dollar price range is is worth these. This comic does seem like it reflects the value it's going for. I'm not trying to say that in a negative or positive way, but like, oh, three to five dollars for this comic. I would pay that. Fair enough. I personally feel like it doesn't really sway my verdict. I kind of feel like it doesn't really add a lot of enticement to collect it because we've seen other comic titles that came out around the same time really skyrocket and mm-hmm. do big numbers. Whereas this is sort of, it, it's, it's got a, it's got an increase, which is good, but it's really not a strong increase. We don't see a ton of demand for this. There's a lot of avid comic book readers that have never even heard about this, that have never even known that Grace Randolph wrote a comic book. Now, if you're a big fan of Grace Randolph, I would say, yeah, you probably want to collect this. Um, But for your average person who's really not into like YouTube punditry or anything like that, that's strictly just a straight up collector or straight up avid reader, I don't know that this is going to be your bag. I think I can agree with that. Okay. Well, with that said, it's time for the final verdict. What say you? collect or reject? I would say pick up these first four issues in this volume. See if you like it within these first four issues and go from there. If you don't, you can stop here and like, okay, this was a nice little four issue, like generic superhero run. I don't regret reading it, but I don't think I would go in the future. But if you do want to see more from the support of the Meta Legion, I would say maybe continue on to volume two because I myself am a little curious to see like, okay, What's next? Well said. Um, I for me, I think it's going to be a reject. Uh, I don't really see a lot of upside to collecting this, particularly like the single issues. If I was going to collect anything, I would collect this as a trade. Now, the story itself is decent enough. I mean, I think that you know, for me, it's not a super compelling story, but it is one that has legs. So it does have the potential to become something great. And maybe that second volume actually does that. I think I'll probably look at collecting these other trades just for that reason. But 
it's not something that I would recommend to somebody else like, hey, this is a hot title. I think you should collect it. And so for me, it's going to be a reject. And we're going to leave it there. Once again, I'd like to thank my guest, Will Blankmeyer, for being here today. Will, before you go, please tell our audience where they can find you. Well, you can currently find me on YouTube uh, with Wildband. That's wild spelled with two L's. I currently react to a myriad of TV shows from Netflix, Disney Plus, and the many other streaming services that have really cool content available. I also do gaming live streams every once in a while with my friends, Charles and Joe. And currently I am one of the four co-hosts of the Petty Cash podcast, where we have episodes coming up every Monday at 7 a.m. where we discuss entertainment, different topics that we bring to the table, but we mainly just goof around and have some fun. Sounds good. And is that 7 a.m. Pacific? Because I know you're out West. That's right. So I think that would be 7 a.m. Pacific. I know with Arizona, it's technically like Arizona Mountain Standard Time. So that might be 6 a.m. Pacific. And that also might be 10 a.m. East Coast time, I believe. That sounds about right. So you heard it here, folks. Petty Cash Podcast. Be sure to tune into that. And of course, I want to thank all of you for listening. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review this episode. Until next time, this is Mark Withers. Catch you on the next page. Collector rejects the production of Press Play Media in association with Von Keith Sounds. This episode was produced and edited by Mark Withers. Music by Keith Sewell. Superbia was created by Grace Randolph for Boom Studios. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at collectorreject.com.